I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. To get a sense for the beginning of the 2021 Mets season, we welcome in my dude, Tim Haley. Check him out, covering all things New York Mets for Newsday. Tim? It's good having you back on the show. Good evening, good sir. How you doing, man? What's happening? I am excellent, JJ. How are you? Doing fine. Different feel this time around. Spring training, correct? A little bit. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of excitement with Steve Cohen and Lindor and all the other things they did today. Uh, and we said so long to the Tim Tebow era, too. So, so, so Holy for that. Always- and by the way, Tim, sorry to jump in there on you. Listen, yeah. I'm glad that the charade is done. His OPS was far better in the minor leagues than I ever could have imagined. I mean, that's not terrible, man, for a guy who had no baseball, basically, experience to go six-plus with his OPS. Not terrible. It, 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 it's Honestly, it, it does two things. One, right, it, it tells you how hard professional baseball is. Here's a, an elite college athlete, went pro in another sport, and he kind of stunk, right? But then the other, the other, the flip side is if he's coming in basically off the street, and he pretty much held his own, right? He he didn't earn his way to the majors, obviously, but uh, a lot, a lot of people, a lot of football players uh, would have done a lot worse. So uh, you know, best of Tim Tebow. Um, I'll probably never write him about him again, and that's fine by me. <laughs> This is obviously a very polarizing topic when I bring it up to the Mets fans when I'm doing the show. This idea of how much they got better in the offseason. And I'm curious to see where you stand on this because the feeling I get, Tim, they're a much better team. They added a top 10 player in the sport, top 15 player in the sport in Windor. They got a number two starter in Carrasco. They added a catcher. They added some bullpen arms. I think they're better. I think they're in a much better spot than what they were at the end of 2020, are you currently satisfied with what you've seen from the Mets so far this offseason? I think the Mets have had a very good offseason despite not getting any of the top free agents, and they are much better than they were in 2020. But I don't know that I'm picking them necessarily to win the NL East, right? The Braves are really good. Uh, so for all the improvements that the Mets have made, and I agree with you that they've made a bunch of them, uh, they are not, uh, you know, th- there's more room for improvement. Maybe they'll do that in the coming days and weeks. Uh, or maybe they'll do something close to the trade deadline, of course. Um, so, so they're good. I expect them to be in the thick of things wild card race-wise. Um, but, you know, there's, al- there's always room for improvement, right? 
No doubt about it. I'm with you. I think Atlanta deserves to be the team to beat. I mean, these Pakoda projections blow my mind. It's, can you explain to me how Atlanta continues to be the team year after year that gets, like, spit on by these preseason projections, Tim? I don't get it, man. I really don't. I, I, me, me neither. I, I don't know the formulas, really, that, you know, Pakoda and Fangrass and some of these other projection systems use. But there's something about the Braves that those projections just don't like. And I think somehow people keep sleeping on the Braves who have won the division, what, three years in a row now? Uh, You know, they were a win away from the World Series last year, and they have Mike Soroka coming back. And, you know, people forget, but Mike Soroka in 2019 – was probably the best rookie not named Pete Alonzo and probably the best pitcher not named Jacob DeGrom. So the Braves are really, really good, no matter what the projections say. And uh, as things stand right now, and things can still change, but they'd be my pick to win the division. Tim, I was having some fun thinking about the two big free agents that are left out there, and it's been like the slowest moving offseason known to man. But you see, Taewon Walker... Some rumblings about the Mets expressing interest. Trevor Rosenthal, both would help the team. You can only sign one. I made the argument Walker's the guy. Would you agree with yours truly? I, yes. Uh, the short version is yes. If I'd rather have the solid starter or the potentially very good reliever, I would take the starter. Um, both guys, you're dealing with somebody who... They don't have much of a track record. Rosenthal used to be really good, missed a couple years, and was really good in a small sample size last year. The Mets could absolutely stand to add another good reliever, especially now that they'll be missing Seth Lugo for the first chunk of the season. Um, But then, you know, Luis Rojas sort of started talking about it today, where pitching-wise, the Mets and every other team out there is going to have to figure out how to cover 162 games worth of innings with a pitching staff that did not pitch that much last year. Um, So the Mets are going to have major innings limit issues probably. Um, And if you add a guy like Walker to their stable of starting pitchers, which is reasonably deep, um, then that would put them in really good shape. Tyson some Met baseball, Tim Healy, check him out in Newsday. Um, Tim, if there was one move that could have been made this offseason – that GM Tim Healy would have made from a Mets standpoint, <laughs> what would that move have been? Ah, uh, that's a good question. You know, early in the offseason, I was all about JT Real Muto. I thought he was a no-brainer. Um, they ended up with James McCann, who seems like he should be solid. He, he's another guy who doesn't have a very long track record of success, but the Mets, for a variety of reasons, believe his improved hitting and his improved defense is something that he can sustain. So they made that medium-sized bet and gave him a four-year deal. Uh, JT Realmuto, in addition to not signing with the Pets, goes and stays in the division with the Phillies, so makes their life a little harder yet. Um, so Realmuto over McCann probably would have been my move, but when you look at the top free agents, they, they didn't really pursue Realmuto or LeMahieu that much. And then they lost out on Bauer and Springer. Uh, I don't know that it would have gone the extra mile for Bauer. I don't know that it would have gone the extra mile for Springer, as big of a fan of his as I am. Um, so 
you know, off the top of my head right now, it would probably would be Real Muto and making that happen. Fair enough. Now, from a lineup standpoint, listen, their numbers were terrific last year, but you watch yeah. these games day in and day out. I'm watching these games day in and day out. They couldn't get a big hit. And it was something, Tim, that was noticeable and it was glaring when they played, you know, those first couple weeks of the year. You know, you look at them, they'd go two and four in a week. The two wins they'd have, they'd score eight or nine runs. But when they need that clutch hit, when they need that big hit, they couldn't get it done. Is that more luck than anything else? Or is that something that you're looking at specifically going into 2021? Can the Mets be a much better situational hitting team than they were just a season ago? The Mets lineup is so deep that I'm, I'm really not that worried about the situational stuff and the you know runner on third, less than two outs coming up with a big hit, clutch hit, what you know, whatever, however you define clutch. Uh, the Mets, by, you know, some of the all-encompassing offensive statistics last year, had one of the best lineups in baseball. And sure, they're losing Robinson Cano, who was a very good hitter last year for uh, whatever reason. Um, but they also upgrade at, you know, they're going to have a full year of Dom Smith. They're going to have a huge upgrade at shortstop what I expect to be a huge upgrade at catcher because Wilson Ramos was atrocious last year, so the bar is not very high for James McCann offensively. Uh, it, the Mets have so many hitters that I, I'm really not sweating the you know batting average with runners in scoring position or things like that. And then you add into that the fact that it was only 60 games last year. Uh, a lot of times over the course of a season, that stuff evens itself out. Totally fair. Now, when it comes to third base... It seems like the Mets are kind of walking the tightrope with J.D. Davis. We know J.D. Davis can be a decent offensive player. His defense is problematic. He's not really a third baseman, not really a left fielder. Trying to figure out what his home is in Major League Baseball right now is a very interesting question. Tim, can you see a situation in which the Mets are playing Davis over at third from time to time? But can you also see a little McNeil action at third with a guy like Jonathan Vior maybe getting some time at second? How do you see that all shaking out as far as playing time? That's an interesting possibility, and I hadn't really considered it until Luis Rojas mentioned today McNeil specifically and how McNeil, of course, can play second base and third base. So if you put McNeil at third base on a, on a given day and you have to fill the second base spot, you have – Jonathan VR, Luis Giorme, who I don't think people should sleep on. Uh, there, there are options there. Um, J.D. Davis, yes, great hitter, really questionable fielder. He's kind of like Dom Smith, where you, you really want his bat in the lineup, but you don't want to push your luck too much defensively. Um, so it could be a situation where Davis starts, plays six or seven innings, and then comes out if the Mets have a lead. And then they can, you know, we'll see that a lot with the Mets this year, shore up their defense, make all their defensive substitutions, um, which could be McNeil sliding over, which could be Guillaume playing third. Um, what, what I'm curious to see this spring is if Guillaume can make a case for himself to get some time starting at third base. Um, I don't know that the Mets are going to have an outright starter at third, you know, playing truly every day. Um, but Guillaume had a good offensive year last year. The, the kind of auxiliary numbers like exit velocity, things like that, 
they don't wow you with Guillaume, but he just has a way about him of getting the bat on the ball, putting the ball in play, and making things happen. And we know defensively he's very sound. He's a lot of fun to watch. Um, so third base, the Mets have options. The Mets have had a lot of chances to give a vote of confidence to J.D. Davis, and they keep not taking those options. Um, so I don't think the Mets are necessarily huge believers in J.D. Davis as an everyday player. Center field, I was screaming about this right-hand compliment for about two months on the show. The Mets signed Albert Almora, and I didn't think it was going to happen. Then last week, Tim, we get word that Kevin Pillar is coming <laughs> to the team. And I love Kevin Pillar as a player. Maybe it's because I watch a whole lot of American League East baseball, but the guy's a gamer. He gets big hits. Yeah. He gets dirty. I know his defense is not what it was, but it's still pretty darn good. I get the sense this is the perfect guy to have in the outfield. Hits lefties, start him against the lefty in center field, let him be the caddy for Dom Smith, late game, seventh, eighth inning type deal. I thought that was a tremendous, tremendous pickup. Did you feel the same way? Yeah, I think it's a very solid pickup. I, 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 it, it seems that I'm not quite as enthusiastic as you, which is fine. Sometimes your enthusiasm is hard to match. I just say, I'm enthusiastic <laughs> about a whole lot of stuff. So Kevin Pillar is just barely scratching the surface, Timmy. Just Listen, saying. If, if, if Kevin Pillar gets your blood flowing, then, then power to you. Oh, yeah. I, I think it's a, oh, yeah. I think it's a, per, I think it's a perfectly so, fine signing for a fourth outfielder. For a few weeks there, I thought, I assumed Albert Almora Jr. was going to have that role, and Almora can be option to the minors. Pilar is a little bit of a better player than Almora, so I think that's a perfectly fine signing. Um, I, I, I'm a big Brandon Nimmo guy. I don't think he should be sitting against lefties because he's good against lefties. He's good at getting, a, getting on base against everybody. Um, so if you want to, you know, somebody's going to end up out of the lineup if Pilar plays Nimmo. Dom Smith, Pete Alonzo, one of those guys. So if you want to take turns uh, giving them days off as Pilar plays a couple times a week, sounds like a perfectly good plan to me. Okay, we got Tim Healy in Newsday. We're getting ready for the start of the Mets season. Tim, if the Mets are going to win the National League East, I don't think that they are. The sense I get, you're not in that camp as well. But if there's one particular X factor... That needs to happen for them if they're going to win their first division title since 2015. What in your eyes would that be? You know, I think this has been my answer for three or four years now, but Noah Syndergaard. He is coming back around June. It wouldn't surprise me if the Mets push that and if Noah pushes that a little bit, comes back late, mid to late May. Um, all signs have been positive on him. But this is a guy people forget, I think, because – Noah came up with so much hype. He was Thor. He was jacked. He threw 100 miles an hour, everything. People forget that when he pitches, he is an excellent pitcher. He had a career sub-3 ERA uh, before 2019 when he was a little worse and maybe pitching hurt for all we know, right? He just had he ended up having Tommy John surgery 11 months ago. So if he can come back and give the Mets a top four in the rotation of DeGrom, Syndergaard, Carrasco, Stroman, then you're talking about potentially, if those guys pitch to their capabilities, the best rotation in baseball. So, uh, you know, Syndergaard to me is the X factor once again. (laughs) And final one, Timmy. If there's one particular spring training story, and listen, 
normally it's like, all right, great pitchers and catchers are back. Baseball will be here before you know it. And then it's like, oh, boy, we got six weeks of PFPs and sunflower seeds and, you know, meaningless exhibition baseball games. But, you know, you're writing about this every day, you're talking about this every day. What would be that, like, particular spring training story that you as a writer are looking forward to following the most? This year, it's a little different because minor league camp will not be going on simultaneously. And because of that, the Mets and other teams are bringing many of their top prospects to Major League camp, even though those guys are years away, not going to come anywhere close to the majors in 2021. I'm a bit of a prospects nerd, right? Uh, That's not for everybody. I understand that. But I'm looking forward to seeing guys like Francisco Alvarez, Matthew Allen, Ronnie Mauricio, um, guys that are not by any means household names yet, but are in some cases teenagers and already are going to be in Major League Camp. That to me is pretty exciting and a a twist on things that you don't usually see during spring training. Tim Healy, check him out, covering all things New York Mets in Newsday. Tim, it's always a pleasure having you on. And I'm going to get some of that Kevin Poor enthusiasm out of you as the season (laughs) goes on. I'm working on that, okay? Excellent. We'll see what we can do. Tim, have a great, great rest of your night, and we will do this again soon, okay? Sounds good, JJ. Anytime. There you have it. That's Tim Healy over at Newsday. Good perspective there on the Mets, and not wrong on the next factor. Getting a big contribution at Noah Syndergaard is something that maybe you're not forecasting for the first couple of months. Could give the team a major, major boost in the second half. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.